Hello and welcome to another episode of Figures of Sport. I'm your host, Brando. Today we'll be having a guest for an episode I'm very, very excited for. Uh, we're going to be talking MLB playoffs, and now that the field is set, uh, we have Satchel on board today, um, a returning guest, so I'll let him introduce himself if you guys haven't heard. Yep, what's going on? I'm Satchel. Uh, I, I uh, was a guest speaker on episode one, too, so... And going to talk some baseball today. Oh, this is a this is an episode I'm really really excited for. So, um, uh, first off, I'm gonna say wow um, because very very disappointed with the Cubs. First off, that's the first thing I kind of want to talk about. Um, you know, being here in Illinois right now, um, I think that you know they had a chance to you know really compete for a wild card spot and. They gave it up, you know. They lost four straight to that those Cardinals uh, last weekend, and then just kind of the downfall throughout this year, especially losing, uh, you know, getting eliminated, not at the in the very last game of the season, but in the middle of the week against the Pirates. I think that that was very disappointing, and now Joe Madden is going to be out of a job. Um, unfortunately, I think that that might be a good direction for the team. I also think it's going to be a bad direction. I think that they, with that team, they had a uh, you know, a lot of guys that respected Joe Madden, I think that finding a manager um, to kind of replace that, that kind of atmosphere in the locker room, I think it's going to be a bit harder for them. But uh, we're going to see how they go. Um, what are your thoughts on the Cubs? Yeah, well, this is the second year that they've kind of, you know, crumbled in the in September. Uh, and, yeah, as you can see, their management, Theo Epstein, like, just does not – he. Like as like as a Cubs fan and you know as a player on the Cubs you're just demanded, uh, oh know, much more than anyone yeah, else. Much you know, more. The Cubs, especially after that World Series run, there, I think that they strictly expect um, just really really good things. But I think it was kind of hard for this team to really put together a uh, solid year. You know, missing they had a lot of players that missed time. You know, Ben Zobris was out. Uh, mm-hmm. Javi Baez missed time at the end. Uh, Addison Russell. Um, Although he had some time here, uh, you know, up in the, you know, in the MLB, I think he did have some time down in the, you know, AAA. So I think that there was a lot of things going on with this team that kind of helped uh, stop them from where they wanted to go. But I think that, um, you know, they're they're this is a team that I think we're going to still see. Um, you know, they did have a winning record, eighty, I believe it was eighty. Um, like four wins, so I think they, they, you know, they did have a winning record. But um, who do you think they're going to go after as a manager? Well, uh, I'm not quite sure who they'll go after as a manager. I know Clint Hurdle from the Manager of the Pirates just got uh, released too. Yep. Uh, so there's a couple vacancies out there. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not quite sure though who they're going to target. Now, where do you think Joe Madden himself is going to go, or do you Joe think Madden. he stays out of Joe out Madden? Of the job? Joe Madden might be he might he might come back as something other than a manager this next year, maybe somewhere like uh, in the office, you know, as like a general manager or something like that. But and what, so what makes you think that? I mean, you like I don't know. With other sports, you see that sometimes, like Tom Coughlin, who's like now like the president of operations for the Jaguars, who used to, after coaching yeah. uh, with the Giants. Uh, you see that sometimes. So I don't know. Maybe I know Madden's a he's a he's a great manager. You know, he's got a really good uh, track record, but. This is, I think, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see um, kind of how the Cubs respond to this. Uh, but where do you, uh, and, and I'm going to ask you just because um, 
you're a guy that, you know, is a Red Sox fan. So what are your thoughts on the Red Sox? Um, and what moves do you think they need to make um, in the offseason? Do you think they're going to trade Mookie? That's a lot of speculation that they're going to be trading Mookie. And I think that um, right now they have a de- very, very depleted farm system. And I think that, um, you know, that's a possibility. What do you think? Yeah, well. And and if you do think they do uh, trade or they are going to trade Mookie, what do you think that they're going to be looking for um, getting back in, uh, with him? Well, Mookie, I believe Mookie's a, the end of his contract is this year. I, I believe it's, I think it's one more year. It's one more year? I think he has one more year on his contract. Okay, so, all right, so if they trade Mookie away, then they're going to have to be looking for help on the right side of the infield, so uh, first base and second base. And then they're also going to need to get some bullpen and, and some starting pitching help. They, they, their pitching uh, really struggled this year, both starting pitching and relievers. And I'm, I think I'm really surprised at that when you have a staff with Chris Sale and David Price on there. Yeah. You know, leading well, the way. Yeah. I mean, this Chris Sale, Chris Sale's year this year was just totally unexpected, and which sucks. But uh, I'm thinking he'll, be, he'll bounce back. You know, he's a, he's a, uh, he, you know, he's a warrior and. He just he just won't allow himself to have seasons like he did this year. But oh yeah, David Trust Price. Me. David Price is getting older, and he's making a lot of money to be an older guy, though. Yeah, he is. His velocity's falling a little bit. You know, he's not as electric as he was like with the Blue Jays in Tampa. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he he you know he struggled with injuries again this year. Uh, so did Sale. And um, I mean, it was just an overall, you know, it was just a bad season for the Red Sox. Like coming off a World Series. Having the having they having one of the most have the one of the best regular season regular regular seasons in twenty eighteen and just blowing through everybody in the playoffs. Yeah, hundred and eight wins last year. Yeah, and they went eleven and three in the playoffs to win the World Series and uh yeah, you just can't have that. That's why Dombrowski got fa- got fired, you know. Yeah. And, and Boston I, I always think that Boston as a sports city is, you know, different. I think they have like a different in a way, there's a different. There's more pressure on the players when they come to Boston, and some some players can get it done, and some managers can get it done. But uh, like you saw with Dombrowski, like he won a World Series in his third year. He, he was yeah. he was the manager, president of operations for three years with the Red Sox. Yeah, won a World Series one of the years. It's similar to similar to Theo Epstein, you know. And now, um, my question is: Do you think that Theo Epstein is on the way out soon? I think that there's a small chance because. Um, in recent years, he's given out a lot of big contracts, you know, most memorably the one to um, both you, Darvish, and um, uh, Jason Hayward, eight years, hundred, I believe, $83 million. So, mm-hmm. um, And I, I forgot the terms of you, Darvish's contract, but I think that just kind of being, um, you know, putting a lot of money into these guys, especially um, they did put a lot of money into their bullpen as well, and a lot of those guys did not pan out. Um, in fact, Craig Kimbrell was the reason in September, I believe, that this Cubs team crumbled. You know, mm-hmm. that um, there was one Cubs game last weekend where uh, within the first two pitches, he gives up uh, two home runs. You mm-hmm. know, he comes in off out of the bullpen, gives up two home runs, and, you know, they give up that game. And I think that, and that was at home. That was in Chicago. So I think that um, possibly, you know, because of the bad contracts given out by Theo Epstein, um, you know, and then Dave Dombrowski was a guy that the Red Sox trusted a lot. He put together that championship team. And, um, you know, I think that, that, you know, they did make the playoffs a few consecutive years. And I think that, you know, now that he's on his way out, I think that we can kind of see something similar happening to, happening to uh, Theo Epstein. And, mm-hmm. 
And Dabrowski, like, aside from J.D. Martinez, aside from J.D., he he didn't really have too many big-name signings. Like, if you look at the Red Sox roster at, like, opening day of this past year, 2019, everybody, everybody on the Red Sox, like, on defense was brought up, except for, like, I'm talking, like, their nine position players were brought up yeah. other than J.D. Martinez, who was a D.H., and I think Mitch Moreland was on there, too. But, like, Xander Bogarts, uh, Rafael Devers, Dustin Pedroia, Jackie Bradley uh, Jr., Mookie. Mookie, Andrew Benintendi, Christian Vasquez, like, all those guys were brought up through the farm system. Mm-hmm. And so um, Dombrowski, like, you know, that, that J.D. signing was huge and one that, that, I mean, that helped win the Red Sox World Series. But. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit worried for the Red Sox, but I think that they have this. Um, I think that we're starting to see a lot of these teams kind of have um, you know, or not a lot of these teams, actually, just some of these teams, you know, like in recent years, um, I believe that the last time the Red Sox made the World Series, they had a year following where they, you know, they performed similar to this, you know, except I think they were at the bottom of the division last time. Yeah. But I think that we're going to kind of see them bounce back next year. Um, I think that depending on who they get in return from Mookie, if they even decide to trade him, I think that that would be a pretty good option for them though because I think that the return they can get for Mookie um is gonna be pretty pretty substantial. I think that um they can give up or they can get back a couple good pieces for their farm system. And I actually did see something that they uh they could possibly trade them to the White Sox. I did see that because they um with the White Sox they do have a solid outfielder in uh Eloy Jimenez. They are gonna be bringing up their top prospect and Luis Robert, which is going to be their center fielder, um, with their weakest position really being uh, right field. And I think that there's a chance that if he does go, I could see him, you know, making, uh, you know, it to Chicago. And I think that Chicago has a good enough farm system that they can give him some pieces back for that, and uh, you know, just some pitching help that they're they're going to need, and maybe another outfielder. But I think that overall, I think. <clears throat> That if they do trade Mookie, they're going to get a pretty substantial haul, um, which I don't know if a lot of teams are going to be willing to do. You know, there's a lot of teams that have a lot of up and coming guys. Um, you know, San Diego's a good team, uh, missing a couple pieces, but they do have some some guys that they brought up through um, you know through their farm system, such as Paddock, uh, uh, Tatis Jr., and then you know with the additions of. Uh, Manny Machado, and then, you know, you do also have uh, Eric Hosmer up at uh, first base. I think uh, they're a pretty solid team, too. So I think that kind of going down the stretch, I think we're going to really have to see what the Red Sox um, kind of ask for for Mookie Betts if he's going to be on the trading block. But um, I digress. So we'll talk about actually the Astros, the Dodgers, the Yankees and the Twins all with over 100 wins this year. So I think um pretty sure that's the first time in MLB history I do teams I do think that's wins. the first time, yeah. And the Astros had 107, Dodgers with 106, Yankees with 103 and the Twins with 101. Um my question is there was a few teams in the NL um with close to 100 wins. I think the A's had about 97. The Nats had about 92 or 93. Tampa was up there. Tampa was up there. Um, The A's were up there. You know, Cleveland was even up there, you know, as well. But I think that, uh, you know, unfortunately they got bounced because, you know, the A's and the Rays had uh, unbelievable years. So um, we'll actually talk about that. So um, what are your thoughts 
on the Tuesday wild card game, which is the Brewers at Nats, and then the Wednesday AL uh, wild card game, which is the Rays at the A's. Uh, well, I'm probably most excited for that Rays A's series just because both those teams are like low market teams, um, and they just grind. You know, like the T- Tampa had a Tampa had a great year in 2018. They just missed the playoffs, and then this year they continued to play well. Um, and, and Oakland kind of out of nowhere, I feel like, I mean, they're also small market and most of their guys are, you know, raised up from their farm system. So yeah, both those fan bases are super excited. Um, you also have to like home field, home field advantage in that series is going to be huge. Yeah. So so I give the advantage to the A's just, just because they're going to be at home and you know, it's a weird, it's a weird stadium and yeah. I mean, they, they rake. They yeah, rake. the A's were ninety-seven and sixty-five, which was tied um, with Atlanta for um, you know Atlanta had their they won their division and they were ninety-seven sixty-five. Tampa Bay was ninety-six and sixty-six. Um, so I think that, like you said, that just the battle of the small market teams. Um, the A's did this last year. They sunk into the playoffs um, last year too. Um, I think when you're in the division with the Astros, though, it's going to be really, really hard to kind of. Um, you know, win that division with the team that the Astros have. Um, and, and the A's, I mean, if you guys remember, like, in 2015, when the when the Royals won the World Series, if you guys remember that, I mean, Kansas City came out of the wild card that year. No, that was actually 2014 that KC came out of the wild card, yeah. and they had that crazy wild card game in Oakland yeah, uh, where they came back and uh And then, and yeah, they, they made and their, the A's, made I feel run. like the A's have choked a lot. They've choked a lot of wild card games in uh, past memory. Like they didn't win last year, um, so yeah. they definitely they just need to get over that little bump. And then I'm I'm really pulling for them. I'm like that'll be very exciting to watch. Yeah. So now I'm actually really excited for the Brewers and Nats game. I think that that's going to be a really good game to see because, um, as I was saying, you know the Nats had 93 wins and Milwaukee had 89 wins. But um, the biggest thing with Milwaukee is they're missing Yelich. You know, that's that's I think that's going to be kind of hard for them uh, missing their star player. Um, he did lead lead the NL in uh, batting average. I believe it was RBIs and war. So I think that that guy is is a very crucial piece to this Brewers team. And I think that, um, you know, kind of just watching the Nats go up against them with the solid young pieces they have, you know, uh, I think that that's going to be a really good game. And. I'm not too sure who I have coming out of there. You know, I think that, um, you know, tomorrow, they, the game for tomorrow is going to start uh, Brandon Woodruff for Milwaukee and Max Scherzer for the Nationals. So I think that, um, you know, when, it, when you look at it, Max Scherzer is a dominant pitcher, and I think that this is a guy that I would trust um, a little bit more than Brandon Woodruff. Um, you know, Scherzer did have a, uh, a, a pretty good year, uh, I mean, he did end up with a 2.92 ERA with 243 strikeouts. So I think that when it comes down to it, this Nationals game is going to be pretty exciting. I'm very excited to see that. Um, and then let's talk about the ALDS-NLDS matchup. So I think, um, so yeah, it'll be the Astros versus the wild card winner, which is the Rays and the A's. Um, and then the Twins at the Yankees for the American League and uh, who do you really see matching up well with the Astros? And then what are your thoughts on that Twins and Yankees series? Um, all right, well, first, that Twins-Yankees series will be good. Uh, unfortunately, I just I kind of despise the Yankees, and so I, uh, 
but I just think their team's too – their offense is just too too electric right now. Yeah. They've got Giancarlo Stanton back. I don't know how much he'll play, but, I mean, he came back at the end of the season and he, he hit a couple of tanks, and he looks he looks really good. Uh, but the Twins do have good pitching. I like Jake Odorizzi. Uh, he's been solid all year, and Jose Barrios is also very good. Yeah. Uh, and the Twins offense – the Twins' offense had a had a historic year. Uh, yeah, Nelson Cruz had a. I mean, I mean Nelson Cruz played really well. He played really well this year, and CJ Crone was hitting home runs, and Eddie Rosario was hitting home runs. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it'll be interesting. Uh, yeah, but I have the Yankees out of that series. Yeah, I, I I'd agree with you because I just think that the Yankees have too many pieces. Um, you know, they do have Luis Severino back as well, so I think that. Um, you know, and, you know, not to mention, you know, just their offense itself. Aaron Judge, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, um, you know, Aaron Hicks. Yeah, Glaber, too. Glaber, Torres, DJ LeMahieu, uh, Gio Urshela. I think they have a lot of solid pieces on it. Didi Gregorius, I think they have a lot of solid pieces on this team. And although the Twins did have a really, really good year, I think that um, just the Yankees' offense is, is – um, too solid all around, although they do, uh, you know, they're a team that probably does strike out a bit more than the Twins do. Um, you know, like you were saying, though, Nelson Cruz, 41 home runs, and he did have a 311 average. So he um, he probably put together one of his best seasons as a pro, you know, hitting over 300. But um, I, I think, like, I'm going to agree with you, the Yankees are going to take that series now. My question is, who do you think matches up well with the Astros? I think it's just... For me, I think the Astros are too dominant all around to really kind of uh, have one of these teams kind of really have a chance against them. Yeah. I think that overall the Astros are probably the best team in baseball. Um, you know, the Dodgers did have 106 wins. The Astros had 107. But I think that the Astros just have so many solid pieces. Um, you know, when you look at Alex Bregman, you look at Jordan Alvarez, uh, Yuli Gurriel had an amazing year this year. Um, Carlos Correa did have a pretty solid year, did bounce off, uh, on and off the injured list, but I, um, I think the Astros have a chance to really take this one all the way. Um, so yeah, so my question stands as to who do you think has the, um, best matchup with the Astros? Uh, well, yeah, the Astros will probably, uh, probably have an easy you know, four game four game win against either the Rays or or, or it's or three, isn't it three? ALDS. Oh, three, ALDS three, is yeah. best of five. So yeah, three. three. But yeah, no, I'd say the A's still probably have the best. Uh, give the Astros the best matchup, um, just because it's so hard to go in uh, Oakland and win. You know, for like I don't know, like big. It's like the A's if they uh, if the A's do beat the Rays and move on to the Astros, they the only way they'll have a shot of that series is. To not lose a home game, they yeah. just can't lose a home game. And yeah, because I believe they got to get lucky. They got to they got to steal one in, in Houston if they want any. If oh they yeah, want any, uh, I think if they if they are to have a chance, they're gonna have to uh, win a game in Houston. Yeah, uh, the first two I believe are gonna be in Houston. Then it's gonna be Oakland, um, and then Game Five would be in Houston again. So I think that um, agreeing with you, they're gonna have to win at least Game One or Game Two, um, and then have to take one at home. But I I, I think it's gonna be a bit harder for the Astros to kind of um I think it's a bit harder for the Astros to kind of take that game um you know one of those games and uh, lose at home especially with all the momentum they already have um especially when you're going to have number 1 2 and 3 is Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander and uh Zach Greinke um, which is insane. Yeah, That's as, just insane. speaking of Greinke, uh earlier this week he 
had a no-hit bid all the way to the ninth. Yeah. One out into the ninth, he gave up a single. So I think that, um, especially coming off of that start, I think that the Astros, especially with the rest that they're going to get because they don't play a game up until Friday. Um, so I think that with this additional uh, four-day rest uh, for, for their starters, I think that they're going to be able to put on a hell of a performance against this, uh, you know, wild card winner. But um, now we're going to actually talk about the Dodgers and wild card winner, um, which could be uh, the Nats or the Brewers, and then the Cardinals and the Braves. So what are your thoughts on those two series? Well, I'll start with the Cards and Braves. Uh, Jack Flaherty for the Cardinals. Um, I mean, he's made history. He's made, yeah, he's made history. He, he, he's a rookie this year, and... Jack Flaherty, this pat, the second half of the season has been unhittable. He's been untouchable this whole. This whole, I mean, he had a no hit bid going into the seventh or eighth yeah. too. He had uh, a point nine one ERA in the second half of the season. I which believe is, that was the lowest in MLB history yeah, for well, a second half. That's insane. That's just insane. And uh, Jack Flaherty, man, he throws the ball hard, and he's got he's got a nice nice little two seam fastball that jams right handed hitters. Uh, and he's just a beast. And the Cardinals, the Cardinals are definitely his his arm. If the Cardinals make a run, his arm. They're going to use him a lot. They're definitely going to use him a lot, and so uh, I just don't think that the I just don't think that the Braves. St. Louis is also. I mean, they, they've got the second most World Series wins in baseball behind the Yankees, and they've got a really good playoff atmosphere. They've got a good fan base, and I think the, I see the Cardinals coming out of there. Even though the Braves, I mean, the Braves, they've got Tehran. Tehran's like their best starter, I believe, yeah. and. You know, Tehran's kind of mediocre. Well, they do right? also. They have Mike uh, Soroka. They have Max Fried. Um, yeah, and I believe Max Fried is a rookie as well as Mike Soroka. So um, Soroka did lead the team with a two six eight ERA, um, thirteen wins. Max Fried had seventeen wins at a four oh two ERA. So um, you know, I'd like to. I, I kind of. I'm going to say the opposite. I think that the Braves, um, although that you know, especially because the it's going to be at the Braves. Field, um, because they were, they did have a better record. Um, I do kind of think that the A's have the upper hand only because I believe that their offense um, with Ozzy Albies, uh, Freddie Freeman, uh, Ronald Acuna, I think that their their offense is really really high powered. And I think um, Acuna coming off of the year he did, where he had 108 RBIs, batted uh, I think 280 with I think 40, 40 home runs, 41 home runs. 41 yeah, home you know, so having a guy like that. Um, leading the way, I think that they do have a really, really solid chance, especially with the first uh, couple games of the series being at Atlanta. Um, I'm going to actually take the opposite side with you, and uh, uh, I'm going to go with the Braves. And I'm going to say the Braves in a four for that game. I think, four. I think the Cardinals are going to take game one in St. Louis, um, but I think that the Braves overall are just going to be able to kind of out-hit St. Louis. Um, I think that um, I also could see the Braves losing that first game in um, in Atlanta if uh, Jack Flaherty's pitching and he's on the and he's rolling as he has been yeah. um, in his last couple starts. So I think if he can carry over that momentum, I think that this is a team uh, that could probably steal Game One. But I think after that, um, for their starters, I think that the Braves probably have um, a couple more guys that can uh, you know go into games and, and pitch well. And I think that their offense is just going to be able to out-hit the Cardinals. But um, we'll actually talk about now the Dodgers and um, the potential wildcard game uh, winner, which is going to be the Brewers or the Nats. So what are your thoughts on that one? Brewers-Nats? Yeah. 
Brewer, well, Dodgers versus Brewers are next. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I think the uh, I think the Dodgers have the edge in that game, or I mean in that series as well. If they do, I pick the Brewers to win, um, just because I really like Hater and I like I like the Brewers bullpen and I like Council, the manager. I think he is a you know he he's he's tested. Just because last year he uh, he made a run, they were a wild card team last year too. Mm-hmm. Or no, actually no, they beat the they beat the Cubs. The Cubs were the wild yeah. card team last year that yeah. got bounced. But um, Colorado and 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 just seeing how Colorado last year was a um, a playoff team, and this year they were you know towards the bottom. They yeah. were I believe they were the fourth team in that division um, behind Arizona and San Francisco. Uh, with San Diego coming in last, but I think that that was actually really really surprising seeing Colorado kind of drop that significantly in just one year. And and I think that the loss of uh, DJ LeMahieu kind of really, really made itself obvious in that in that case. But, um, you know, I think that if it is the Brewers against the Dodgers, you know, just the kind of atmosphere that's going to be around there, um, although Yelich isn't going to be playing, I think just seeing the Dodgers and the Brewers again is going to be exciting because of the way last year was. Um, so who do you think has the... Who do you think has the best matchup with the Dodgers, though, between the Brewers and the Nats? Probably the Nats. I think the Nats are a little more deep. Um, it's just, it's just in that one game, you know, that one wild card game, all hands on deck. You know, yeah. you don't know, you don't, you don't know who you're going to see on the mound other than the starters. You know, Scherzer gives up, you know, three runs in the first couple of innings. He's probably out of there, and they might even throw like another starter in there behind them. Like, yeah, I think they're going to have to. Yeah, I think this is a. You know, as you were saying, all hands on deck. So I think that there, there's going to have to be a couple guys, especially you know, this game is going to be on Tuesday. So um, and Hater, we see Hater many times. Hater many times. Uh, you'll see him a lot having like little two inning saves yeah. and stuff. He can so he can throw. I mean, he came he came up as a starter, I believe. I came yeah, up he as has a some, starter. he has stamina. So yeah, I, I think that he can actually, if if the game is close, uh, going go into the seventh inning, um, I think that he'll probably be able to come out. Uh, you know, in the eighth. And you know, just be able to kind of shut them down. And I think Haters had a, a great year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think that um, when it comes down to matchups, I think that, like you said, it's probably going to be the Brewers that would match up a bit better against the Dodgers. Um, although, like you were saying, the Nats do have a bit of a deeper team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, kind of as a f- baseball fan, just getting able to watch the Brewers and the Dodgers go at it again yeah. after last year is going to be exciting. Um, Although the, as I've been saying, you know the the absence of Christian Yelich is going to be really really big yeah, be for them. Tough. I think that in that case, the Nats do have the upper hand because they do probably have um, the better pitching staff to match up with the Dodgers. You know, the Dodgers did have the um, ERA leader in uh, Ryu, so I think that in that three game or that five game series, uh, I'm I'm still going to take the Dodgers, um, but I just think it, it's going to be. Kind of a toss-up to see uh, how the Nets or and the Brewers uh, game goes on uh, tomorrow, actually, yeah. Tuesday. So we're going to see how that, that goes. And I think that based off of that game, um, just seeing how the pitching is in that game, I think we're going to be able to see kind of who matches up well with the Dodgers. Um, you know, just because that way we'll kind of get a better understanding of who we'll probably see in that series uh, take the mound. Um, and then I also kind of i am excited to see how the Brewers and the Nats um, kind of just go about the situation of facing the, the top-ranked Dodgers, seeing what their game plan is, um, seeing how they plan to stop, uh, you know, Bellinger. I mm-hmm. think, you know, 
Bellinger is probably locked up that MVP, um, you know, for his incredible performance this year. You know, although Yelich did have a lot of the better numbers, I think that Bellinger's impact on the team overall is probably um, going to be, it's going to be something to see, I think, to keep an eye on, see how these teams try to contain him um, throughout the year or throughout the uh, postseason. But mm-hmm. um, now I kind of want to see your takes on the potential matches uh, matchups, um, what we could see. Uh, Astros-Yankees, because um, I, I think the Astros are going to take out whoever they play in the wild card. I think the Dodgers are probably going to take out whoever they play in the wild card. Um, really think the only toss-up of the series is between the Twins and Yankees and the Cardinals and Braves, even yeah. though um, you know we both agreed we think the Yankees are going to be able to uh, take care of the Twins. But um, who do you think is going to match up well with the Astros in the second round? The LCS? Yeah. Uh, well, the Yankees, I think it'll be Astros-Yankees. The Yankees definitely match up the best with the Astros because they're both power offenses. Uh, it's just I have to give – I mean, I think the Astros' offense is just – I'd say just as good as the Yankees' offense, yeah. you know, when they're hot. Yeah. Uh, Altuve's got to play well. Yeah. And he, he's, Altuve's been playing a lot better the second half of the season. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's just those those, those Astro starters, will, I just don't think they yeah. – I mean – I don't think there's there's a way that they lose. You just added Zach Granke, who's a – he's a he's a you know, he's established starter in the National League. And he can – he's you know, he's a, he's a great pitcher. And yeah. I think that um, especially with, um, you know, Zach Granke, like you said, being originally from the National League, I think he's seen a lot of – um, you know, the teams that uh, they're going to be facing if they make to the uh, if they make it to the World Series. Yeah. And uh, I think he's going to be able to help them, um, you know, immensely. Yeah. You know, I think that um, wait, did they add Garrett Cole this offseason or the previous offseason? Yeah, because he pitched Garrett Cole was on the team last year. OK. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think in, in now you have Garrett Cole who kind of settled in. He led the league in strikeouts. Um, then you do have a guy like Zach Greinke who just came from the National League playing a bunch of these teams. I think that that, um, as and you're Verlander, saying, who won and Cy Verlander, Young. who did win a Cy Young, although he was with the American League. But um, I, I think just being able to kind of see, um, you know, this matchup is going to be very exciting throughout the postseason. And I think that we're definitely going to have to have you come on again to yeah. kind of discuss later in the playoffs the, what we've been seeing. So um, the Astros are a fun team. They're a fun team to watch, and I think. I think they'll win the World Series again this year. Yeah. That's my prediction. Uh, I just don't see how teams can compete. You know, when you've got three guys that, you know, all three of those pitchers, you got Cole, Verlander, and, and Granke on the on the Astros. Not to I mention think, their solid bullpen. Yeah, yeah, and their bullpen. But I think all three of those starters would be uh, a first game, like would start the first game of the World Series for any other team. Oh yeah, in the playoffs, maybe except for Scherzer and except for Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, I think other than those. Yeah, I, I mean, and I and I think that even um, so. Now, my here's a question. I mean, it's it's something that we see kind of going around a lot because of uh, just his history. But Kershaw in the playoffs um, has typically not performed as well as he does throughout the season. And I, I mean, Kershaw didn't even have the best season this year. You know, he did miss some time um, early on. And, um, you know, I think that kind of just, you know, he did have the, the, you know, he had a three ERA, he had 16 wins and 189 strikeouts. Um, so he did lead, or he, he was, I believe second on their team in strikeouts, uh, because Walker Bueller had their, uh, had 215, but, um, I think Kershaw is in a position where 
Um, this is kind of like a must-win World Series for him. Yeah. You know, now being um, – they have a chance to make three straight World Series, and, you know, and, and if they lose all three with this team, I think that um, at some point they're going to have to start to look to trade some pieces and, and, and kind of, you know, rebuild. You know, it, it's crazy to say after coming off of a 106-win year, but um, I just think that <coughs> – excuse me. I mean, I just think that with the – you know, three straight trips to the World Series and you can't, you know, really compete because the Astros took them out in, you know, the first year pretty quickly. The Red Sox took them out last year pretty quickly. And then I think this year, um, you know, the Astros do have the best team. And even if it's not the Astros, I think that, um, you know, the second best team in the AL is going to be the Yankees. And I think even if it's the Yankees, they, they're so stacked offensively that I think that, um, you know, the Dodgers pitching isn't going to be able to sustain yeah. I'd say whoever out of the AL. Yeah, that's uh, that's my opinion. I think because I mean the Dodgers. I don't know. I feel like the Dodgers just play different baseball. When 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 Clayton Kershaw isn't pitching as well, <coughs> you know, as he as he can. I think he I kind just of think their whole team kind yep, of just their whole team kind of performs as he does. Yeah, I'd know? say he's pretty dynamic. So I mean, you know, he's the engine of that team. Really, yeah. he's the heart and soul of that team. And I think that um, once he he kind of is is taken out of the game, I think a lot of the other players kind of realize. You know, if our main guy can't, you know, doesn't stand a chance, then I think that we don't either. So I think that's really just been the Dodgers' um, downfall for the last few years. Is just they, um, you know, as you were saying, they kind of fall into place with Kershaw. You know, if he doesn't perform, neither do they. So I yeah. kind of, I'm, I'm excited to see how they even how on this... offense. I mean, like last year, Kershaw didn't pitch that great in the World Series. Yeah, uh, Cody Bellinger did not hit well at all throughout at all. the playoffs. No, and when you're having a guy like Cody Bellinger, who's an MVP candidate. Uh, not you know not playing well in the in the play, in the playoffs, uh, that's just that just hurts you know you can't. You gotta, and I think it's really exciting that. to see how Bellinger performs this year, because yeah. you know having the monster year he did. Um, I mean he's probably going to win the MVP. I oh yeah, say. I think so. You know I mean with the with the Yellow stats he had he had forty seven home runs, three hundred and five RBIs, one hundred fifteen um uh or no one hundred fifteen RBIs, three hundred five average. Um, he did slug for 630 on base percentage of 400. So, I mean, um, if Cody Bellinger has a chance, uh, you know, Cody Bellinger has a chance to actually, um, like you were saying, lock up the MVP. But Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of his Dodgers success throughout the postseason is going to be based on what his performance is like. Mm -hmm. Um, so I mean, I'm very excited and, and Satchel's hot take was that the Astros, he has the Astros winning the World Series, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, I believe they're the best team in baseball. So, um, but yeah, we'll definitely have Satchel on again to talk baseball. All right, um, but Satchel is going to be leaving. Um, uh, We're going to actually transition into football, so we're going to talk more about that um, right now. So uh, we'll start with the Thursday night football game, and... um, that one is going to be the Eagles with 34 at the Packers to uh, 27. And um, Wentz, Wentz had 160 yards, three touchdowns, and Rodgers threw for 422 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Um, and Rodgers' pick came within the red zone in the last 20 seconds. And, um, I, I mean, when it comes to that that type of game, I think that, you know, you know especially with the Packers now um, falling to 3-1, and one, um, you know, I think the Eagles really, really had a good game. You know, although Wentz 
um, only threw for 160 yards. I think that, you know, just those three touchdowns, um, it's exciting to see, you know, Wentz be able to get the ball downfield. And although Rodgers had 422 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception, you know, his last, uh, you know, that pick came within the red zone in the last 20 seconds, you know. So the Packers were able to, um, they did have a chance to, um, you know, come back and tie the game or possibly even win it with a two-point conversion. But um, unfortunately, that didn't pan out. And I think that um, that was just a really, really exciting game to watch, um, you know, especially because there was a lot of the line for the Eagles. You know, the Eagles could have had a really, really rough start um, and they could have possibly ended up as a, um, you know, they could have possibly ended up, you know, being uh, one and three. And, you know, I think that that would have been something that really, really would have made things much, much harder for them as the season progressed, you know, especially with, um, you know, the Cowboys rolling as they have been. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I think that that was a really, really good matchup to watch. And, um, you know, like I said, just seeing Aaron Rodgers get picked off, um, like the way he did. Jordan Howard also did have uh, 87 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. So I think that uh, overall for this Philly team, it was a really, really sound game uh, on offense. Not to mention on defense where they, um, you know, like I said, they were able to close the game out with a pick um, from Rodgers. And, you know, Rodgers was able to move the ball downfield. And, uh, you know, Devontae Adams had 180 yards receiving. So I think that um, Green Bay, although they did put together a good game, uh, the Eagles just were able to outperform them, um, on Thursday. So, um, we'll actually move past that game though and talk about the Patriots at the Bills game. That was a really, really exciting game to watch only because both teams were three and zero, and, um, it was a battle of the defenses, you know, Patriots had, uh, as I said, only 16 points and came out, uh, with a win that game. Brady only threw for 150 yards and an interception. Um, Kyle Allen did um, throw for 153 yards and three interceptions. Um, now, there was a hit on Kyle Allen um, in the fourth quarter um, that did send him out of the game. And there was a lot of comments on whether it was a dirty hit or a clean hit. Um, and, you know, I just think that you know, although there's the, you know, argument that he, you know, was a runner, um, I just think that, you know, the head-to-head contact, you know, it did look like there was, um, the contact was initiated with the crown of the helmet, which does cause a lot of issues, um, especially because, you know, that just means that, um, you know, unnecessary injuries, you know what I'm saying? And, and, Kyle Allen is a guy who's actually been performing well for this Bills team, got them to 3-0, and and, you know, now he could be out for um, a significant amount of time. You know, as he did take that hit, he did lay out on the ground for a bit of time, and it seemed he was uh, out cold. So um, hopefully he's okay, and we're going we're gonna to wish him a speedy recovery because uh, it, it's been nice to see that this Bills, de- uh, this Bills team has been able to actually, um, you know, win some games, you know, starting off 3-0 is a real shocker, and I think that um, hopefully, you know, they're able to get their uh, quarterback back soon so that that way they can actually, um, you know, kind of continue and see how this team develops, and I'm also, um, you know, kind of uh, expecting to see 
um, Kyle Allen kind of, uh, or I actually am ready to see Kyle Allen come back and, and see how he performs. Um, I'm not sure if it was actually officially declared a concussion um, and how much time he will be out, but I think that if he can get back soon and he's healthy, I think, and he could continue to do the things he's been doing, I mean, the three wins that they have, I think that this is a team that um, could be exciting to watch. Although they probably won't give the Patriots a uh, run for that division title, I can see them come, um, you know, making, you know, if they were to continue the the path they're on, especially with the defense that they have, I think I could see them um, getting to about nine wins, um, you know, ending this season nine and seven, um, possibly ten and six if they, uh, you know, if Kyle Allen comes back and he um, he's solid still. But I think that a lot of that depends on on the you know severity of the injury um and how much time he's going to be out so that's something that i would say to keep an eye on um but once again the patriots did win that game um with very very little um real um help from tom brady so um but we'll move past that game and we're going to discuss the vikings at the bears um the bears won this game 16 to 6 um, in Chicago, um, they avoid falling 0-2 at home, and, uh, Cousins had 233 yards, Daniels, um, had 195 yards, uh, receiving, and a touchdown, and, um, or actually, no, Chase Daniels for the, uh, the Bears, my, my apologies, he had 195 yards and a touchdown, um, Cohen with the first touchdown of the season, uh, that was actually... A game to watch because very very defensive um but the only downside for this game was Mitchell Trubisky did end up leaving the game with a left shoulder injury on the opening possession um that that did actually hurt the team um you know at at uh in a game against Minnesota last year he did hurt his right throwing shoulder and now this year here it is left now I'm throwing shoulder so um, it'll be nice to see how this Bears team kind of bounces back. We saw that their their defense was able to really contain Minnesota uh, as they held Dalvin Cook to 35 yards and one touchdown. So I think that um, this was a game, very, very important game for the Bears, you know, especially with the leading NFL rusher um, and Dalvin Cook being held to, um, you know, about 75 yards uh, less than what he w- uh, was averaging in his first three games. So, um, you know, just only, you know, just seeing that this defense was able to kind of uh, retaliate after their, uh, you know, their quarterback went down and just being able to shut this Minnesota team out. Um, it was actually really, really a, a good defensive game to watch. And I think that, um, you know, if, if uh, Trubisky is out for a foreseeable amount of time, um, you know, there is, I've, I've heard discussions where surgery can possibly be an option and, um, very, very big downside to this was that, you know, he didn't leave with the trainer, uh, to head back to the locker room. He did leave with the bears orthopedic doctor. So, um, it could be something that is a like structural, uh, damage. So, um, we are also going to wish him a speedy recovery because, um, you know, this Bears team has been having a lot of trouble with their offense, producing offense, um, and Trubisky did have a good last game, so I think that hopefully he can, um, you know, retaliate, um, 
As a matter of fact, we'll actually talk about that game last week uh, with Monday Night Football because uh, I don't believe we talked about it. Um, but, you know, that one was a game where the Bears won 31-15, uh, to and uh, Trubisky threw for 231 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. So I think, um, you know, the Bears, although they do move to 3-1, and one, um, they are now at the top, uh, tied for first place, I believe, with Green Bay. Um, but Green Bay does have the... Uh, tiebreaker edge right now because they did win the first game against them so um i think though it's going to be something to watch keep an eye on um for that bears team uh hopefully mitch Trubisky can come back and continue um to progress as a starter um i don't think chase daniels can lead them to a division title especially with the way that green bay has been playing uh in the first four weeks so um that's something i would definitely say to keep an eye on and um, following that, we're going to discuss the Titans at Atlanta. Um, Atlanta, once again, falls short. They lose that game at home 24-10. to And uh, Mariota had 227 yards, three touchdowns. Derrick Henry had 100 yards rushing. Um, Matt Ryan threw for 397 yards. And um, in that game where they lost, we just get to see Atlanta's defense um, – really, really just um, not show up again, you know, and, and Atlanta's had a few issues um, about this, um, and, you know, in the last few weeks, and, and Atlanta's one and three, and the, and the one game that they did win against the Eagles, um, their defense came to play, and they, they were able to stop, um, you know, Philly, and, in you know, in the game since then, they've had a lot of trouble um, winning these games, unfortunately, Um you know, when it comes down to it, yeah, Matt Ryan's throwing 397 yards, but when you, you know, when you're not able to beat a Tennessee team that was able to stop you three times on uh, third down possessions, um, you know, to really stop the flow of the game, it's it's tough. It's going to be very tough to win, you know. Um, you know, Julio Jones had 52 yards, Mohamed Sanu had 91 yards receiving, and, um, you know, Austin Hooper led the way with a... Uh, you know, a game where he had 130 yards. And as I was saying, you know, Matt Ryan threw no touchdowns. Um, so it's just tough to see that this team is very, very limited on offense with the, the weapons that they have with Devontae Freeman, um, Muhammad Sanu, and, and um, you know, Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley is a, is a huge shocker, in my opinion. You know, only only targeted six times for 30 and uh, three receptions for 32 yards. You know, so I, I mean... Um, just seeing this team kind of struggle offensively, um, as well as on the defensive side is where I really start to see an issue. So, um, we're going to start to, I think we're going to start to see Atlanta, um, just kind of really have to start putting some pieces together or making some moves because their defense is, is really what's been keeping them out of the games, um, that they should be winning, you know, um, but uh, we're gonna actually talk about a game that um, that I was very very surprised with um, Chiefs at the Lions. Wow, I was surprised at that game. I mean, um, Detroit Detroit started off really really well. I mean they they jumped out to a 10-0 lead. Um, then Kansas City struck back with ten points of their own, tying it up, and then. Um, 
you know, since then it was a back and forth game. You know, uh, Detroit took a 13-10 lead. Kansas City tied it. Kansas City took a 20-13 lead. Um, and then Detroit kind of made it close by hitting another field goal. It was 20-16, to then a touchdown followed, so it was 23-20. to And, um, you know, just being able to see Matt Stafford go, you know, back and forth. Uh, you know, then it was a uh, – then Kansas City scored a touchdown. Uh, Detroit scored a touchdown. And, uh, you know, in the – in the last two minutes of the game, it was 30-27 to 27 Kansas City. And, uh, you know, within the last 20 seconds, uh, Kansas City was able to punch through the uh, final touchdown of the game and win it 34-30. to 30. Um, Mahomes had 315 yards, um, didn't throw for a touchdown. LaShawn McCoy had one touchdown. Um, and uh, they did have Darrell Williams rush in for two touchdowns as well. Um, you know, with, you know, about... Uh, four field goals scored, you know, so I think that uh, really kind of seeing this team uh, struggle a bit was, uh, you know, was hard. You know, it was, it, seeing this Chiefs team struggle a bit was a bit difficult, um, you know, in the in the fact that, you know, you expected them to kind of blow the, uh, the Lions out in this game, you know, and, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford did have... Uh, 291 yards and three touchdowns, and Karrion Johnson had 125, yana, uh, 125 yards on the ground. So, as I was saying, you know, it's, you know, Detroit's 2-1-1, one, and one, but, um, you know, just being able to see them kind of compete with the Chiefs and, and, and give them a chance was pretty exciting, in my opinion. So, um, but the Chiefs do move to 4-0, and um, but... Is the Chiefs' defense a problem? It's starting to, uh, you know, in the last couple weeks they have, although against Baltimore they started off strong, they did end up giving up a, uh, a high amount of points later on in the game in the second half. Um, you know, as well as, the, you know, with the Lions, they gave up 13 in the first half and 17 in the second. Um, I don't know. I mean, the Chiefs' defense, It. I, I've always believed the Chiefs – need a stronger defense to really compete with the the powerhouse teams like um you know um like the Patriots you know honestly that's their biggest competition in their conference and I think that um you know when it comes down to it yeah they could win a shootout but their defense is really what's going to be able to uh you know uh contain that you know I, I think that the Chiefs all have such a high powered offense that they shouldn't have to necessarily deal with shootouts um but the shootouts tend to become an issue only because of the fact that, um, you know, their defense has become a problem. And I think that um, I don't really see them going to actually, um, you know, make some changes because of the pieces that they have. Um, but, you know, it, it, we'll see how they, uh, you know, offensively, they're going to have to give up some pieces um, if they want to become better on defense. That's just what they're going to have to do. And I don't really truly see them making that move because of how how good that their offense is um but uh we'll see how they do next week the chiefs will be playing next week um up against the colts so that should be a very exciting game just because jacoby Brissett has been doing some good things um and speaking of jacoby Brissett, we're going to talk about them uh the colts right now and their loss to the raiders um, they lost a home game to the Raiders, 31-24. to uh, Derek Carr had 189 yards and two touchdowns. And he, um, 
he led the he led the Raiders to three touchdowns in their first four possessions, and a late pick six sealed the deal for the team. Um, but Jacoby Brissett did have a solid game, 265 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Um, the biggest topic of the game was the Vontaze Perfect hit. Um, and it, news has just came out that he will be banned from the NFL for um, the rest of the season, actually. Um, or he not banned, suspended, I'm sorry, but for the rest of the 2019 season for his helmet-to-helmet hit on uh, Jack Doyle. And I, I agree with that. You know, Vontaze Perfect has been doing um, – um, he's he's been doing this for quite some time. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's about time that, you know, the league investigates that. Um, you know, I'm not too sure what it is, but there's been a lot of instances in the last few years, um, of just Vontaze Perfect being a a dirty player. And I think that, um, you know, in, in the, you know, in the video, um, after the hit, when he is ejected, um, you see him kind of running out and, and blowing kisses to the fans. And I think that, you know, I think that this is a player that doesn't really understand, um, you know, what he's doing. Um, unfortunately, um, for someone who's been in the league for a while, um, I think it's it's very disappointing that you see this player kind of actually, you know, not really being a, a, a professional football player. You know, I think he's acting um, as if, you know, he's going out there with only the purpose of hurting people and, not doing this to play football, and I think that since we've seen this too many times in recent um, recent years, I think that the, the NFL did right by doing this. So um, I'm actually I, I hope that uh, Doyle is okay, but um, I think that now that Vontez Perfect is going to be out of the league for the the rest of the season, I think that um, you know that's that's a good thing for the league. I think that that's very very um, you know impressive actually for the league to do that um you know i think that they finally taken account into his uh taken into account his history um with the league and 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 the hits that he's been putting onto players for for years now yeah especially when he was with cincinnati the controversy that he's caused there so i think that it's about time that the league does something and i'm very happy that they have um because there's really no place um in a league that's already um you know physically uh harming to your body i think that you know having a player going out there and 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 purpose purposefully you know going out there with the intention to hurt other players i think that there's no place for that in this league and i think that the um, nfl should uh eventually conduct an investigation into that and and um i think there's as i was been saying there's no place for that in this league so i'm very very happy that the league took action and, and suspended him for the rest of the year um, once again, I hope Jack Doyle is okay. Um, but um, we will move on and we will sp- uh, speak about the Chargers at the Dolphins. And Dolphins are doing what they're doing. They're tanking. Uh, it's pretty clear. Um, they kind of given up all hope already. Uh, Chargers won that game easy, 30-10. to 10. Rivers had 310 yards, two touchdowns. Um, but that's the first time the Chargers win in Miami in 38 years. So, um they haven't had a lot of good teams in recent years, so I'm actually pretty surprised at that. But, um, you know, Dolphins are very, very clearly tanking, and I really hope that they have a plan um, for when they do get the player that they want um, in the draft. Um, hopefully this guy can actually, uh, you know, get them some wins. Um, you know, this is a team that's very, very has uh, l- limited on talent. 
Um, you know, they clearly kind of uh, stated their purpose for the season when they traded away Kenny Stills um, and uh, Laramie Tunzel. So we'll um, we'll kind of see how they how they progress um, throughout the season. Um, but I don't see them. I, I I really don't see the Dolphins winning a game. Um, and if they do, they're going to probably get pretty lucky. But um, you know, just just to see that this team is clearly clearly putting on. A, a poor performance, um, you know, it's it's not good. Um, it probably does help, um, you know, lower the NFL's, you know, viewership ratings that have gone down this year as well. So um, next game we'll talk about, though, is the Washington at Giants. Um, Daniel Jones does, uh, he shows up again, uh, although this game he did have two interceptions. He had 225 yards and a touchdown. Um, Wayne Gallman and Saquon's absence had two touchdowns on the ground. Um, and, um, you know, in this game, Case Keenum was benched in the second quarter and, uh, Dwayne Hoskins took over a guy who I know and people around the league know he wanted to get drafted by the Giants. Um, you know, so I think that, um, we're going to start to see him, uh, you know, we saw him 107 yards, three interceptions, as I said, but, um, I think we're going to see him, you know, settle in and, and kind of, Start to take more, uh, more and more reps, and and get become uh, or get accustomed to being the starter of this team. So um, I'm excited to see what they do there. Um, I think Hoskins is a good talent, so we'll, we're excited to see how he progresses there. Um, but yes, the Giants did win that game, uh, 24 to three. Um, a game that I was really, really excited to watch um, was Cleveland at Baltimore, and wow, I mean, wow. Uh, Cleveland took that game and ran with it. They won 40 to 25, and Baker Mayfield had 342 yards, a touchdown, interception. Uh, Jarvis Landry had 167 yards. Um, Nick Chubb had 165 yards and three touchdowns. And um, Lamar Jackson um, didn't have a really bad game, but he didn't. Uh, I mean, uh, or he didn't have a really good game, but he didn't have a really bad game at the same time. It was a uh, you know, it was 247 yards and three touchdowns, but he did throw two interceptions, which um, unfortunately did not help their team. And, um, you know, the Browns jumped out to a very, very quick start. Um, you know, they were up 7-0. Uh, Baltimore, you know, was able to tie it up. And then, um, you know, it kind of stayed a relatively close game. And, um, you know, in the second quarter, that's when they, you know, they just jumped off to a very quick start scoring two touchdowns in the second quarter alone um, after, you know, uh, Baltimore was able to tie it up 10-10 early on in the uh, second half. Um, Nick Chubb ran in two touchdowns to make it a 24-10 game at the end of the third quarter. Um, and then, you know, uh, Nick Chubb had a 88-yard uh, run um, right after, literally 20 seconds after Mark Ingram, uh, you know, caught a touchdown pass from Lamar Jackson and um you know it was it was it was exciting to see you know because like I said Nick Chubb is he ran for 88 yards so they Baltimore was able to put a score on the board uh close this game to within six points and Nick Chubb was able to um really just uh you know take it into his own hands and uh you know, extend that lead to 12 points. They then followed that with a field goal and uh, another touchdown. And, um, you know, just really seeing this, this, um, this Cleveland offense come together like that, it was very impressive. And I think that 
Baker Mayfield, um, he did kind of show up and he, 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 uh, you know, this was, like I said, I think in last week, uh, last week's episode where, uh, we just discussed Cleveland and Baltimore next, uh, you know, this matchup happening. And, um, I I think this, this was, uh, really good. I can't wait to see what, how Baltimore responds, um, in Cleveland, uh, so and now both teams fall to two and two and the division lead is now tied at two, two. Uh, so we're going to see how that goes, but I was, uh, I was very impressed and, and Baker Mayfield as suspected, uh, he, uh, he was, uh, he was happy, but he, he basically wants these people that, you know, doubted the team in the beginning to continue to doubt them because I, I think that, um, you know, now this team is going to start to get clicking. But the biggest issue here was that um, Odell Beckham Jr. only had 20 yards um, in receptions throughout the whole, uh, throughout the whole game. So um, I think that there's uh, a lot of the issues that, you know, he voiced in being in New York were, you know, give me the ball. And I think that, um, you know, Cleveland has so many options. I think that he might kind of run into that problem here too. Although he is going to be their name or their, their wide receiver one. I think that, you know, we've seen a lot of, uh, you know, different players step up in these games. You know, Nick Chubb did have uh, 165 yards and then Landry had 167 yards. So I think that, um, uh, we should, although Odell should be, you know, given, you know, hit for more than 20 yards in a game, you know, being the dynamic uh, playmaker that he is, I think that it's not something that we're going to see that often. So I wouldn't be too worried about that, though. But next game we're going to talk about is Carolina and Houston. Uh, Carolina won that game. Very gritty game. Um, 16 points is the third time uh, on Sunday where only 16 points were allowed. Uh, by Or 16 points were allowed by the winning team. Or no, uh, 16 points were scored by the winning team. My apologies. But... Um, and the second time that a uh, team has been held to 10 points and that uh, or third time a team has been held to 10 points, um, you know, actually, no, fourth time defense was all over the place yesterday. So, um, you know, just seeing, uh, you have the Cowboys only scoring 10 points. We'll talk about that later. Cardinals only scoring 10 points. We'll talk about that later. Um, we're going to talk to Houston, uh, or talk about Houston who only scored 10 points. And then, um, you know, the Bills only scored 10 points. So I think that. Defense was a big, big uh, thing yesterday, uh, as well as a couple games where teams uh, scored a lot of points. So Cleveland is going to be one of that game where they put up 40 points. Um, but uh, we'll continue about the Carolina and Houston game. Kyle Allen had 232 yards for uh, – and I apologize. I think that I um, had mentioned Kyle Allen as the Bills quarterback – um, previously, but I meant Josh Allen. Um, Kyle Allen is the quarterback for Carolina, and um, he had 232 yards, uh, no touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey had 93 yards on the ground and one touchdown. Um, but Deshaun Watson, um, as I said, you know the team was limited to only 10 points, and um, you know DeAndre Hopkins had 41 yards receiving. Uh, Deshaun Watkins had 160 yards, uh, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He did run in a uh, he did run in a touchdown, so that was their only touchdown of the game. Um, uh, kind of surprised at that, you know. Houston now falls to two and two, and um, you know 
as I you know as I'm saying it, I'm surprised because this is the first time this season that Deshaun Watson has put up uh, you know these type of numbers, and uh, you know that this is really uh, this was a real struggle for that team. So I think that um, you know especially with DeAndre Hopkins only getting hit for 41 yards, uh, you know it's it's a bit shocking in a game they probably should have won. Um, you know the Texans in the you know recent weeks have been able to put up. Uh, some points, you know, the first, uh, the last week they put up 27, on uh, the week before, you know, they were limited to only 13, but, and then, um, in the first game of the season, they, they were, they scored 28, so, I mean, um, that's now two weeks out of the first four games that they were limited to, um, really just about, you know, 13 points or under, uh, in two of those games, and they did, uh, you know, they won one of them, and, uh, another game where they scored 28, they, they lost that one too, so, um, I'm not really too sure how to look at this because there's no real clear indication of someone's performance really just uh, being an outlier of, uh, you know, why this team is winning or or not winning. But um, Deshaun Watson does have to have a better game, uh, especially in these close uh, defensive games. He has to be able to get the ball downfield and get his team in position to score. And I I, I think that um, Carolina's defense is still solid. So I think that that's understandable, but I did, I definitely think that Houston needs to kind of uh, have to step it up after this, you know, now being two and two with this division up for grabs, um, you know, with Indiana, Indianapolis being two and two, Jacksonville being two and two and Tennessee being two and two. Um, I really think that this is, uh, this is where these teams kind of have to uh, buckle down. You know, this is where um, the contenders start to show themselves. So, I'm excited to see how Houston performs. So that's going to be, uh, and, and as I mentioned before, they're going to be playing Indianapolis. Um, that's going to be an exciting game to watch. So um, we'll see how that goes. But the game I've been waiting to talk about all all afternoon has been the Bucks at the Rams. And Jameis Winston puts on a hell of a performance, throwing for 385 yards, four touchdowns, an interception, two touchdowns rushing, um, you know, I, I, I mean, wow, there's not much more you can say to that because he, he had a hell of a game and they were able to outscore the Rams and, uh, you know, just seeing that, um, really, really is uh, my apologies. Jameis Winston did not have, uh, two touchdowns rushing, but they had as a team, two touchdowns rushing. Um, Chris Godwin had 172 yards, two touchdowns, um, Jared Goff had 517 yards for two touchdowns, three interceptions. Todd Gurley had two touchdowns, only limited to 16 yards, though, as Tampa Bay won that game 55-40. to So, although we saw Jared Goff throw the ball more, um, he did have less touchdowns, more interceptions, and Jameis Winston really, really outperformed Jared Goff. And that was a game that I was extremely surprised at, um, especially at the fact that it was 55 points on the Rams, you know. And um, just being able to see a team kind of shoot shoot this team out. And the last time we really saw a game like this was Kansas City and, and, uh, and, and the Rams. And, you know, seeing Tampa Bay um, – not only win this game, but win this game in LA is very surprising to me. Um, you know, this is another week that goes by that we see Todd Gurley being very, very ineffective. 
Um, yeah, he did have two touchdowns, but 16 yards on the ground. Um, being the caliber of quarter uh, running back that he is, um, in a game where Jared Goff threw the ball 68 times for 517 yards, um, very, very disappointing because of that. Um, you know, I think that putting that much pressure on your quarterback to throw the ball that many times um, and have to put up those type of numbers is going to really, really be hard um, on the team. You know, I think that Todd Gurley has, um, you know, become more and more ineffective in weeks that pass. And it's very frustrating as not only a football fan, but I know it must be very frustrating as a Rams fan because um, this is a guy that just made a lot of money to to you know keep up the production and he's he has not at all you know Todd Gurley on the season um has 219 yards through four games so um it's not horrible but he's he does seem to be very limited in some games and um it it does seem that uh you know he's averaging only about 50 yards a game and, and you can't ask for more than that but when it comes to the caliber of player uh that he is and then you see guys like you know, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook, um, you know, Saquon. You see guys like Nick Chubb even putting up ridiculous numbers. Um, and and it's it's really a struggle to see Todd Gurley performing the way he is. And I think that um, this team is only going to go as far as he lets them because I think that there's no way that this team can truly, truly compete for a Super Bowl without having an effective uh, running back. And I think that um, if you put the ball in Jared Goff's hands a little too much, that he's going to be forced to make um, decisions that ultimately result in, um, you know, bad plays. Um, you know, he had to throw the ball 68 times, and that resulted in three interceptions. So I think that um, when you have to see that, compared to James Winston throwing the ball 41 times with only one interception, um, I think that, you know, especially you had about 90 yards of offense and two touchdowns from your two running backs compared to the, you know, two touchdowns and 30 yards of, or 30 yards of offense for, you know, LA's rushing. So I think that uh, LA is going to definitely need to um, have to improve their run before they can truly be considered um, a real, real contender. I think Todd Gurley needs to figure it out or, um, you know, they're going to have to find a way to move the ball, um, you know, using other running backs beside Gurley. So I think that that is something to watch, but that was definitely my favorite game of the week. You know, just seeing the Bucks being able to outlast the Rams in a shootout, which is really what the Rams are built for. Um, but we will talk about next the last few games of the season or the last few games of the, uh, of the day. Um, Seahawks beat the Cardinals 27 to 10. Russell Wilson threw for 240 yards, a touchdown. Uh, Kyler Murray at 241 yards uh, and an interception. I think that, you know, the Seahawks team um, was able to do some good things. Uh, they, you see that their defense is still present and still strong. Um, the Cardinals, as I said previously, um, you know, in, in, in prior episodes, but I think that Kyler Murray is a very, very good player, and he really just needs to, you know, he has a tough schedule, especially being in that conference that he's in. Um, you know, the Cardinals are going to be facing the Seahawks and the 49ers uh, about twice a year. So just being, you know, forced to play in that division where they're going to have tough, con- you know, tough competition every week. Um, you know, not to mention uh, they also do have, um, you know, in their division they also do have, 
um, you know, the Rams. So, you know, it, when you're in the division where you're going to be facing Seattle, San Francisco, and the Rams, you know, with a young quarterback like Kyler Murray, as talented as he is, um, it's going to be very, very hard for him to get accustomed and, and find success in this league, um, you know, early on. I think that this is going to be a process where we're going to see him kind of develop uh, into a better quarterback later on. Um, probably, I'd say, to look to expect a jump in production um, in his second year, similar to, you know, the type of play from Patrick Mahomes, uh, Lamar Jackson, um, Mitch Trubisky, you know, who had a, a better second years than they did first years. So, um, like I said, I think that this is going to be Kyler Murray. I think he's, he's a good talent. I think he just needs to continue to develop before we could see the final product of what uh, type of caliber uh, quarterback is going to become. So um, we'll, we'll move on, though, and we'll talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, winning a close game at the at Denver. Uh, they won this game 26-24. Gardner Minshew had 213 yards, two touchdowns, and Leonard Fournette had 225 yards on the day. Wow. Um that was that was the first time that I uh, believe the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars have had a hundred yard rush um, rusher in a game in over a year. So I think that just seeing that um, come out for him and this Jacksonville team, uh, I think that was very very impressive. You know that was um, you know they were kind of backed up and you know the O line was able to really do a good job and and allow Fournette to get through the holes. And Fournette did a really good job of finding those holes. And uh, he was able to pound the ground for 225 yards. So um, that does top his previous career high of 181 yards uh, about two years ago. So um, we'll see how Jacksonville can kind of bounce uh, or can carry this momentum over into their next game. Uh, their next game is going to be um, up against the Panthers next Sunday. So we'll see how they bounce back or we'll see how they, uh, you know, kind of use this momentum to uh, drive them to their next game against a, uh, a Carolina team that, you know, did only give up 10 points, uh, you know, on Sunday. So we'll see how they perform. Uh, that should be a good game, especially because Jacksonville does have a good defense themselves. So um, I kind of want to see how uh, Fournette, you know, plays in that game coming off of this career high. So, um, but the last game of the night was the Sunday football, Sunday night football, um, in a matchup between the Cowboys and the Saints, uh, in New Orleans, the Saints were able to take that game 12 to, uh, 12 to 10, um, Teddy Bridgewater threw for 193 yards, uh, an interception and Alvin Kamara had 69 yards. Uh, Dak Prescott had 223 yards and an, uh, interception and Ezekiel Elliott was able to, uh, really get the only thing going for um, Dallas as he run, ran for 35 yards and a touchdown. So um, really, the Saints, uh, the Cowboys struck first, scoring three points in the first quarter off of a field goal. Um, in the second quarter, uh, the Saints really were not able to uh, capitalize. Uh, they did have a 40-yard and a 42-yard field goal, and they were not able to, um, at the end of the half, uh, we're not able to kind of capitalize because, uh, you know, they got, they were in uh, the red zone and were only uh, allowed a field goal. So that made the game a nine to three game. Um, 
then Ezekiel Elliott did score that touchdown, giving Dallas the lead, um, really all the way up until the uh, fourth quarter when Dallas was able to kick the the uh, you know the go ahead field goal basically and and take over that game. So in a game where you know uh, Drew Brees is absent, um, you know Teddy Bridgewater is able to come through again. And uh, New Orleans moves to three and one as Dallas takes their first loss of the season and falling to three and one as well. So um, I mean, I was very, very, you know, in a game like this, it's kind of hard to really, really uh, take a lot of interest. But you did see some good things from both sides. Um, the defense was there on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is able to do some things that I think a lot of people were unex, you know, didn't expect him to do. I think he's able to. He's already won two games with the Saints and I think that you know in this uh projected six-week timeline for uh for Drew Brees I think that um as long as he can get them to you know three maybe four wins I think that they'll be okay you know I think that you know now with the, the first two weeks down and he's already carried you to two wins um I think that this team is is overall pretty sound um offensively defensively and I'm excited to see how they continue to um I'm con I'm continued to uh you know believe that I think they're gonna continue this run and you know win a couple more games. But um overall I was pretty disappointed with Dallas because I think that this was a game that they should have won, you know, especially with Drew Brees being out. This is an opportunity that they uh, should have should have been able to capitalize on. But now that that means that we are left with three undefeated teams in the NFL and one of them is a real shocker. And that happens to be Kansas City, New England, and shockingly enough, uh, San Francisco. San Francisco is 3-0. So we have three undefeated teams right now, one being in the NFC, one in the AFC. So this this will be something I, I, I would expect we should continue to follow. But that concludes it for today's episode of Figures of Sport. And...